Hey, Vegas Nation listeners, I want to take 30 seconds to introduce you to a new podcast from the Review Journal called Critical Condition Accounts from One October. It's a five-part series sharing the powerful stories of two Las Vegas officers who responded to the scene of the One October shooting on the Las Vegas Strip. You can find this wherever you are listening to the podcast right now. Just search Critical Condition Accounts from One October or visit ReviewJournal.com backslash podcast for more information. Now on to Vegas Nation. Vegas Nation, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We're trying, like I said, to uh, bring the right kind of people in here, we think, that can build a championship football team. You guys are the most loyal fans in the world, and I know it hurts that we might not be the Oakland Raiders forever, but we are still Raider Nation. I think it's going to be a, uh, get an army coming into uh, Las Vegas. everyone, it's time for another episode of the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Station Casinos. Don't forget to check us out at VegasNation.com. Download the Vegas Nation app to follow everything happening with the Raiders. Comment while you're there. We always love hearing from you guys, so let us know how you think we're doing. We'll talk back to you, too. We'll get some comments out there on social media where you can follow us as well on Twitter. Today joining the show, we have Miles A. Simmons and... Adam Hill. We you, are. You forgot my name. No, we've been working together for so long. No. You just forgot. Me. That's why I, I get you. I didn't I understand. forget your name. I didn't forget your name at all. I was just pointing at you, and you weren't <laughs> looking up. I was like Adam Hill, and yeah, okay, it's good. You didn't yeah. see the. You didn't see the gesture. It's fine. So we're all in the house, and also joining us today, we have Greg Bedard. He is an NFL writer here at the Review Journal, and also you have been working in Boston for quite some time with uh, your own sports journal. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Greg, and welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you know, I've been covering the league on well on a full time basis since 2004. I covered the Dolphins for the Palm Beach Post the Packers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and the Patriots for the Boston Globe. I also did a stint at uh, Sports Illustrated at the MMQB.com and uh, ha- have currently still have my own website covering the Patriots up close, but uh, now I'm adding sort of a national slash Raiders spin to this thing, and um, I'm excited. It's uh, I think it's an exciting team. It's an up-and-coming team. It's a team that I, I expect um, as long as um, their quarterback doesn't fumble out of the end zone from the one-yard line um, too often going forward. I, this should be a team that should contend for a playoff spot. So I'm interested to see what happens the rest of the year. All right. Well, on the show today, we are going to get into more things with Greg about what he just said, where the Raiders stand. We also have a betting segment lined up for you with Todd Dewey. We're going to break down the keys to the game with the Raiders here on this wild road trip that started back on September 14th with the Minnesota Vikings. And we'll finally come to a close with the Houston Texans this Sunday. So we'll get into all of that and preview the game and give you all the information on the latest injuries and everything. But first, we have to pay tribute to a Raider great who passed, Willie Brown, number 24. I mean, there have been so many great tributes going around right now, but I think my favorite had to be that of Charles Woodson, another man that donned the number 24 jersey, and he even said that when he got to the Raiders, there were two numbers available, 39 and 24, but he says that nobody wanted him to wear that number 24 more than Willie Brown. I mean, Greg, you've been in the NFL for quite some time. What can you tell us about Willie Brown, the passing of him, and just what he meant to this organization? Well, I mean, first of all, in terms of the Raiders, I mean, you know, I don't think there was any 
former Raider, you know, historical figure who was more proud of being a Raider than Willie Brown. Um, and I think that was first and foremost, you, um, that was reflected in Mark Davis's statement, how much he meant to his family. Um, you know, he, he, he was a fixture at training camp, at games. Um, this is a guy who really believed in, and almost bled silver and black. And uh, so I think first and foremost, you know, he was a Raider at heart. But in terms of the NFL, I mean, you're talking about the guy who invented bump and run coverage. I mean, you know, now in today's NFL, it's become such a man coverage game defensively. And really, Willie Brown pioneered that. And he really did it because he had to. I mean, you're talking about a guy, and it's, and it's unbelievable to think about now, but this is a guy who was a defensive end and tight end in college. And then he converted to cornerback in the pros. I mean, just think about any of the guys trying to do that today. I mean, you know, maybe maybe Clowney is somebody who could do it possibly, but, like, it's very few and far between. But he did that, and, and you know, he wasn't going to run with some of these guys, so he got physical with them. And, you know, the, the highlights that you see, you see that over and over again. And for him, you know, he really pioneered that. And, you know, for that reason, he'll go down as one of the greats at the position. Adam, you and Miles were down in Alameda yesterday where the Raiders practiced. What did you gather from the sense of the team as far as the passing of Willie Brown? Like how much right now is the organization feeling that loss? Well, I mean, you can tell certainly John Gruden before he took questions from the media kind of opened up and just said, hey, listen, I just want to talk about this. Uh, This is something that's very important to me. And I think what you what you got from the players and from Gruden and from really everybody in the organization was just the passion that he had for the organization and how much like you could just genuinely tell his love for, you know, the Raiders and everything about the franchise um, and and how it came across to all of them. They they all said, hey, the first time we met him, we just got how important this all was to him. So I think that's kind of the sense that you got. Derek Hart kind of talked about um, being one of the first people he met uh, when he was drafted by the Raiders. And, um, you know, just he kind of couldn't figure him out at first. And he's like, kind of what's going on with this guy? And then realized, like, man, this is just a guy that loves this organization and loves this franchise. So I think all of, everybody that talked about him, Talk, just talked about how genuine that was and how much that came across whenever you were around him. And Miles, when a team has this kind of loss, the sense of somebody that meant so much to the organization, this guy that was a true Raider at heart, as um, Charles Woodson had said in his statement about um, Willie Brown. I mean, as this team heads into Houston, is this something like that they get an extra fire in their belly to try to make, you know, Willie Brown proud and, and the organization proud as they head in to face the Texans? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I think that sometimes that kind of stuff can only go so far. And I think especially because in, in a way, Willie Brown was kind of, I don't want to say removed from the organization, but he's not as necessarily close to some of the members of the organization, some of the younger players as he would have been to uh, players who have been around for a long time, like your Derek Carrs of the world. Maybe uh, Rodney Hudson is another guy that comes to mind because he's been around um, for so long. But I, I think just generally, though, I think maybe more the road trip coming to an end and how all of that has kind of played out might be a little bit better uh, as a more motivating factor than something like this. I mean, but it is a, been a difficult time in and around the Raiders organization in terms of, you know, legends passing away. You have Cliff Branch passed away just before the start of the regular season as well. Not something that John Gruden addressed yesterday, too. So I think in some ways, yes, it's something that they can rally around. But I think also just from the, the culture standpoint, you know, yes, he is a really important figure to the Raiders organization. But today, I'm not necessarily sure how much that motivates them. 
Well, not playing, but still wearing that 24, Jonathan Abram. He's a, a rookie, obviously, with the organization that will do that number proud, I'm sure, as uh, this carries on and his career starts going on. Wearing that 24 will really mean something to him, I'm sure. But uh, let's get into some of the latest news here going on with the team. There was a big trade that happened as far uh, in the secondary with Gary and Conley. Uh, he was going to head to Houston anyway. But now he's going to do it to face his former team, the Raiders, this former Ohio State standout drafted in the first round of 2017 with the Raiders. Uh, he struggled a bit here this year, but it might be because it was more of a zone system. Maybe, you know, he was looking to play that man to man uh, more more often than not. But that's not really the scheme here in the Raiders defense. So, Miles, what do you make of this trade with Conley? Well, John Gruden says it's about the fact that they want to play some of their younger players. But I think it's it's a twofold thing. I think one, you know, your the performance just was not great. I mean, I think you could look at what happened in that Packers game. There were some times where I mean, it, not even just coverage, right? Like Connolly could have been able to get his head in there. I shouldn't say head probably, but get, get his body in there and really, you know, tackle guys, bring them to the ground. And he wasn't just he just wasn't doing that. And I, I think from that standpoint, you want guys that are going to be tough. They're going to be rugged, that are going to be able to you know, really be the kind of cornerback that you need them to be um, in order to be successful. And just right now, Connolly, I mean, there were some breakdowns in coverage. There were, again, those tackling issues. And I think at the end of the day, John Gruden is right when he says he wants to see the younger players and what they can do. Trayvon Mullen is a the guy they drafted in the second round. Isaiah Johnson is a guy that they drafted in the fourth round, and he's not eligible to come off of injured reserve yet, but he's somebody that they want to see play. So when you have guys that you've drafted yourself, as opposed to guys who were drafted by a previous regime, yeah, these are the kinds of things that are going to happen. And so that, to me, explains everything with Connolly. It's just kind of weird that they're going to go see him this week. Uh, Heidi, let's, Miles is being nice because he covers the team on a day-to-day basis, which I totally get. You know, he's pick, he's choosing his words carefully. You know, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, Gary and Conley showed a, a lack of a real lack of toughness and guts in that game and I think that John Gruden was just sick of it this is not a one game thing this is a guy who you know when you play this type of scheme you count on those cornerbacks to come up and tackle tough on the edge and there was there was a play early in the game where you know he just didn't have his head on the swivel and he he totally lost containment on the edge and and didn't even threaten a run that went for 10 yards there were other runs where he just you know, whiffed on tackles. I mean, that's just when you're trying to build a team like the Raiders are, obviously, and, you know, they want their foundation to be tough, hard-nosed, disciplined guys, and they have a ways to go on the discipline part. But, you know, just in terms of toughness, Gary and Conley was just not measuring up. And when you have a guy who was drafted by the previous regime, you know, and, you know, I think Miles and Adam have done a really good job pointing out about how, you know, what, what's there, like six or seven guys left from the previous regime? That's it? Just in like two, not even two years? Um, you know, they are looking, you, you better come and play the Raiders way under John Gruden or you're going to be gone. And I think it sent a signal to the locker room and I thought it was smart to do at this point because this is a really crucial part of the season for this Raiders team. It's kind of, you know, it's do or die especially this week against the Texans, who is a team that they could be in a playoff race for, for a wild card spot. Um, these guys need to step up their game. And Conley was just one of those guys who was not doing it. And I think they sent a message to the locker room. They said, look, you better strap up. 
you better tackle hard or else you're not going to be playing for this team. I thought it was very telling. Uh, you know, certainly what, what Gruden has said is, hey, we want to get younger. And and it's amazing to say that when you're trading a 24-year-old away yeah. uh, that you just drafted <laughs> in the first round a couple years ago. But it, again, it wasn't him. It wasn't his regime. It was the previous regime. And I think those guys have learned uh, if you're not buying in and you're not you know, fully, fully sold into the program, you're going to be moving on because they have moved on from almost all of them. But I, I do think it's interesting. First of all, Carr kind of pointed that out about Mullen. He said he's going to stick his head there and make plays. That was not an accident. Uh, even Trayvon Mullen said when he was, he said, hey, I'm going to go make a tackle. If it's my time to make a tackle, I'm going to go make a tackle. And I'm going to do that. But I, I, I do think it's interesting with Gary on Conley, though. I, I want to go back and I haven't had time, haven't had time to do it. I want to look at some film from last year because remember, Gary Conley had a huge scare in in week one against the Broncos. He was carted off the field. Yeah. He he had a, a, a and it wasn't from making a hit. It was uh, some contact that he had with Abram uh, on the sideline. It was just a kind of a fluke a fluke play. But he was carted off. It was a very very scary moment. And I, I'm wondering how hesitant he's been because of that. How much that changed him. And I think you're, you're going to need time before he'd want to talk about that or anybody on the team would really want to talk about that. But I do think. You know, it's one of those things that stands out in your mind. You say, yeah, he's been very, very hesitant to go into contact the last couple of weeks. And certainly against Green Bay, absolutely he was. And I don't know if it had something to do with that play. If it had something to do with that scare of saying, hey, this could all be over and, you know, in an instant and you never know on the field. Those are things that are interesting. But certainly it was a huge factor of him not being willing to be physical right now the last couple of weeks, and I think that was a big part of why he's moving on. Yeah, I mean, Adam makes a very valid point that you get that a lot with NFL players, that they get, you know, a neck scare and things like that, and they kind of, you know, duck contact a little bit. But when I went back and I watched, you know, some film of Mullen, you know, one of the first plays that came up was in week three against the Vikings, he got into the game, and there was an off-tackle run by the Vikings uh, and – you know, not only did Matt, not only did Mullen beat his blocker, but he came up and he made a tackle for a one-yard loss, and that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff you need on the edge in this defense, or you're just not going to play. The physicality definitely is something needed, I think. Uh, Miles, how do you grade this the trade that the Raiders made, getting a third-round pick? Uh, you know, I think they probably got the best value that they probably, you know, that was being offered. And that's probably the weirdest thing about why he's with the Houston Texans right now and why they're they sent him there the week that they're going to play the Texans. They probably weren't going to get a third round pick out of anybody else. So I think when you have a guy who you drafted in the first round and you believe him to be a bust, there's only so much value that you're going to be able to get back. Now, obviously, we have to see who they pick with this third rounder and then how that third rounder then performs over the you know next three four years um, in order to I think truly grade out the trade but at least initially I think if you have a guy who you don't believe can be a starter and you end up trading him for a third round pick that's pretty good value yeah and the Raiders did go pretty heavy on these Clemson guys that being Trayvon Mullen at number 40 in this past draft so the trade deadline comes up here October 29th Greg do you anticipate the Raiders making more moves before then you know, I'm I'm not sure about that. I don't know. Maybe these guys know offhand. I don't know where these guys are as far as cap room. But, I mean, if, if I'm the Raiders, you know, one of the things I was looking over with their stats is like – and you see this in the game, and it played out against the Packers too. These guys just do not get pressure on the quarterback. And I don't know if, if you know, Farrell coming back and getting more into the mix is just going to solve that. I mean, one it might of the, hurt it. Huh? It might hurt it. <laughs> Maybe. But, I mean, these guys just they, – they, they have to get more pressure on the quarterback. You know, the Raiders, if I had to pick one thing, because they're a, a bunch of things on defense that they need, 
But if they could find a veteran pass rusher that could really add something to the mix, I think that would really do them well. Adam, you said it might hurt it. Was that kind of a nod to Max Crosby and his ability to kind of uh, get to the quarterback right now? Crosby's been a difference maker. He's been a playmaker, yeah. while Cleveland Farrell has not. I mean, he just hasn't made an impact on the field. Now, I know um, one of the things he talked about yesterday was uh, he's very, very angry at pro football focus, and uh, <laughs> you can read about that <laughs> coming up today. Is that Farrell? Almost like, yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he's at 46.8. I think he's 109th out of 112 qualifying uh, edge defenders uh, from pro football focus. And he said those guys have been wrong all the way back to college where they said our defensive line sucked, and I thought it was the best defensive line in college football history. That's according to Cleveland Furl. I know John Gruden not specifically talking about them, but just said, hey, these guys are just looking for sacks. He's doing other things. I haven't seen it. I don't know what he's doing out there. He just has not been a playmaker. Uh, and I know, you know, one of the things is that he hasn't been on the on the edge a whole lot. He's had to move inside just out of necessity. They've needed bodies and, you know, he's been playing inside a little bit. But when he's on the outside, when he does get a chance to, to rush the passer, you're he's just not showing up. Not only not getting sacks, you're just not even seeing him in the backfield and seeing him, you know, pressure anybody. So uh, it's been an issue. It's been a struggle. It's still very early in his career. I'm not saying it's it's done. He's never going to be good. Who knows? Uh, it just hasn't been there yet. So um, I, I certainly don't. And, and you know, we're still waiting for Arden Key as well, who's who's injured right now and uh, hasn't really been a difference maker either. So these are guys that they're looking to make, a, you know, an impact of getting to the quarterback and putting pressure on guys. They're just not doing it. It's not happening. Um, I know that there's another guy that I've gotten about 30 questions about from the Patriots. Um, I cannot see. And I don't know. I haven't seen if anything happened with Josh Gordon today, but. I cannot see that happening. People are begging for him. That it, with with what they went through with Darius Hayward Bay, with what they went through with Antonio Brown, I, I just don't. I don't think. I don't think there's an appetite for that around there. But I guess you never know. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I've covered Gordon up close for a couple of years. I mean, you know, we're talking about one of the most unreliable players in NFL history. I mean, he. he I can't even remember the last time he finished a season with a team and. You know, there's there's always when Bill Belichick does something, there's always a reason. So I don't know. I haven't heard anything from people there about him sort of slacking off, and maybe there's, but maybe they're seeing some sort of uh, some of the signs that led up to him getting suspended again last year. I will say he's been very unreliable in terms of his health this year. He's had knee problems all year. He, you know, he bent his knee back in the Giants game. I would not be running to get on the, the Josh Gordon train. Yeah, and as we head here into Houston, we're going to take a quick break, step away, talk to Todd Dewey about some betting numbers for the Raiders this week. But when we come back, we're going to talk about this upcoming game, some injuries, and get you caught up here with everything silver and black. So stay tuned. <laughs> All right, as we head to the midpoint of the season, we had a little bit of discussion there on how we're rating the Raiders at this point as they head into week eight. But what I'd like to do now is turn it over to Todd Dewey, our sports betting columnist here at the Review Journal, who's going to tell us what the numbers are on the Raiders this week in the betting world. Todd, what do you got for us? Yeah, thanks, Heidi. The Raiders getting six and a half points at Houston as they finish up that brutal six-week stretch away from home. Haven't had a home game since September 15th. A couple of sevens out there, too, if you want to take the Raiders getting seven. And a couple of odds makers I spoke with this week have been really impressed with the way the Raiders have played despite coming off the lopsided loss at Green Bay where they were in it until Cars fumble at the end of the first half. They're three and three straight up and against the spread and two and two straight up and against the spread during this stretch of games away from home. It'll end here at Houston, which has been inconsistent coming off a loss at Indianapolis and 
their offensive lines getting beat up again, giving up a lot of sacks. JJ Watts on the decline. Their defense isn't what it used to be. So a couple of sharp guys I talked to are leaning to the Raiders. Who just got that another draft pick from Houston for next year's draft, but it's not technically a sharp play, but people I spoke with are high on the Raiders. And if they had to bet this one, they would take the Raiders. Okay. Well, what else do you have for us? What are the sharps on in week eight overall in the NFL? Well, you tell me, Heidi, didn't you take the Redskins last week? <laughs> I didn't listen to you, Todd, and I did not take the Redskins last week. So uh, I'm going to let you tell us who, who to take. And maybe this time I'll listen. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to take the Redskins. I couldn't pull the trigger on that one either, even though it was a sharp play. Somehow they covered the spread without scoring in a 9 nothing loss to the Niners. Horrific weather. I guess it was only the second time in 25 years that a team covered without scoring, but yeah, I got some of the sharp plays around town, go through them here for you. The chargers, the sharps took the charges getting five points at the bears on the look ahead line. They always have the next week's games are up at the Westgate right now before this Sunday's games. And that, that number went from six and a half down to four. And both teams are expected to be contenders this year after going on the playoffs last year, but neither team, has lived up to the preseason hype sharps on the charges at the bears sharps also took the saints at home over the Cardinals. That one opened at seven and a half and it's up to 10 and a half right now. The sharps took the saints at 10 saints won five straight without drew Brees, but they might get him back. And also Alvin Kamara back this week, the Cardinals won three straight, but not exactly a murderer's row over the Bengals Falcons and uh, giants. Sharps also on the Broncos getting six at the Colts. That number is down to five and a half. Denver's had 10 days to prepare for that one after getting whipped by the Chiefs at home without Mahomes. Colts are also a five and a half point favorites at home, as you might recall, over the Raiders when they lost 31-24. Speaking of the Chiefs, Sharps took the Chiefs getting four and a half and four at home over the Packers, that number now is down to three and a half. You know, Patrick Mahomes practicing this week after dislocating his kneecap last week. Uh, and even if he doesn't play, though, like Kansas City has had 10 days to prepare. And Andy Reid has had 10 days to prepare backup quarterback Matt Moore if Mahomes can't go. And they're also getting a couple guys back from injury. And, you know, the Packers are probably at their their stocks at their highest right now after lighting up the Raiders. But only 10 days ago. You know, they were gifted a win over the Lions on Monday night football, but now everybody's all over. The Packers are back. So the Chiefs look to be the play there for the Sharps. And then the Sharps also took the Dolphins, getting 14 and a half at the Steelers on Monday night football. The look ahead line was 17 down to 14 now. The Dolphins 0-6, but they covered their last two games over the Redskins and Bills. Steelers coming off a bye after beating the Chargers on the road. And one more sharp play. The Sharps are all over the Browns, over the Patriots, getting 11 and a half, 11 and 10 and a half. That line's up to 13 now, actually. Uh, but they bet on the Browns before Monday Night Football. So now the line is higher based on the Patriots' dominant performance against the Jets, 33-0 win. Browns coming off a bye, a home loss to the Seahawks after they were throttled by the Niners. Patriots, of course, rolling along again. They've only allowed 48 points in seven games. Historic defense here shaping up less than seven points a game. But the Browns took, uh, the Sharps took the Browns, that is. 
That's uh, the sharp report there, Heidi. We'll see how they do this week. All right, Todd. And for everybody out there who's looking for information on sports betting, particularly with the NFL, you can follow Todd Dewey at TDewey33 on Twitter. Todd, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. Let's hope you all cash some tickets. Cash it. This episode of Vegas Nation will be right back. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Welcome back to Vegas Nation. It's Heidi Fang here along with Adam Hill, Miles Simmons, and Greg Bedard joining us today. Uh, We are talking all things Raiders and, of course, this Week 8 matchup coming up in Houston, the Raiders' last game of this strenuous road trip that they've been on that has been probably very taxing for a lot of these players. A lot of guys are banged up. So let's get the report right now from Miles, who's been down in Alameda and been able to see these guys. Where are we at, Miles, right now with a couple key players, particularly Tyrell Williams and Trent Brown? Yeah, we can start with Tyrell Williams. Uh, So he was able to practice on Wednesday with this plantar fasciitis issue that has been going on for now the last few weeks, and that's kept him out for the last few weeks. So he has said that he just has to see how the foot recovers. He's a little bit optimistic um, about his potential availability to play, Um, but it it still is kind of murky as of this point. Um, And then I think Trent Brown as well, you know, you you saw him practice on a limited basis. So he, uh, John Gruden said, is probably questionable at best at this point. But I think just being able to see him practice a little bit um, yesterday during that media window, he is at least on the field. He is doing things. And so this week looks like it's got to be it's he has a much better chance to play um, than last week, at least at this point. So I think if you get those guys back, you're going to have a much better chance of of taking on Houston and beating them. Um, But it's still going to be pretty hard considering that explosive offense and the explosive nature of it and how well Deshaun Watson can get the ball down the field. I I think this one's going to be kind of tough for the Raiders to win as I sneak out away for to get to practice here. All right, Miles, as you sneak away, final score, what's your pick? Final score, I would say probably something like 35 to 20 Houston. And he's got to go. Okay. Miles Miles had to run like no joke. So he had to get out to (laughs) the practice in Alameda. So he'll be updating throughout the day. And we are recording here on a Thursday. So uh, this coming out on Friday, you'll be able to check up with Tyrell Williams and Trent Brown's status. You can give Miles a follow at Miles A. Simmons on Twitter. But let's get into this matchup here. Well, first, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll cut into him, too, because I, I think the Tyrell Williams one is interesting. He's going to go through again today at practice Thursday, as you said, and he's going to see how it feels. He said yesterday he was happy to be back out there. He said it's been tough for him to deal mentally because he hasn't missed time. Uh, but he's going to see how his foot feels, uh, and, and I think that's the key. How does it respond? How sore is it coming out of two practices? And then they'll see if they can go forward. But I think there's there's other potential, you know, really tough injuries to deal with. The Josh Jacobs situation is is one that he's come out of pretty much every game. I think almost every game this year, uh, there's been time that we're sitting up in the press box saying, oh, there goes Josh Jacobs back to the locker room. Now he's been able to play through it. But the, he got a, he got shot up during the game in Green Bay. Uh, John Gruden let that one slip yesterday and just put that out there. And then he missed practice yesterday with the shoulder. I, I, I think this is one 
to really monitor this week. I don't think it's it's absolutely certain that Josh Jacobs goes, and man, that's a big loss if he doesn't go. Gabe Jackson, we know, came back after missing the first five games, came back uh, to, to play last week, but he wasn't at practice yesterday either, and I think there was some concern about how he responded, how his body responded uh, coming out of that, because he came back at the short end of the window of when you know he was supposed to be back, and and I don't I don't know that they loved how he came out of that game the other day. So uh, that's another one to potentially monitor. I will say that we only saw you know we only get to see them going through like position drills, and there's nothing really strenuous going on. But Trent Brown was on the field. He th- he was not moving well. Now listen, he's a huge guy. We, we, I get that. I'm like I'm not looking to, for him to be Carl Lewis out there. But uh, <laughs> but uh, what a reference that yeah, was. Yeah, that was Bolt. amazing. Hot uh, So yeah, it, it, we're not. You know, you don't expect him to be the most nimble guy. But there there was d- definitely some some struggles going on uh, with him trying to move around on his leg. And I, I will say the only thing that, that that pointed out to me is the conspiracy theorists out there that don't think he's injured. Uh, that think he was sitting out not because of injury but right. because of the disciplinary issues. Uh, I don't think I don't think that's true. Uh, I could definitely tell you that there was something kind of making his movement labored yesterday. And you know, David Sharp, for what it's worth, there were a few penalties called on him um, during the game, and and his end. I mean, he didn't look that comfortable in that position. So, I mean, how big of a loss would it be right now? I mean, there are two that you just mentioned, Adam. I mean, with Josh Jacobs, and he's Hudson's been, also he missed yeah, practice yeah. yesterday. Yeah. yeah, I mean. It, I'll I'll just take it from there, Heidi. I mean, like you know, look this this offensive line is really good when it's intact, but I mean, it, hopefully they get Hudson back. He's a tough guy. Maybe he was just getting some veteran rest, um, you know, with, with sort of the road that they've had going on here. Um, you know, they I don't th- they cannot win this game if Trent Brown and say they're missing another piece on the offensive line. They can't block up JJ Watt and Whitney Merciless, especially on that side you know, without those guys. And so, you know, Sharp had a rough time against the Packers. The Packers do have some good edge players, but this is a whole different test. And in terms of, I mean, you know, Reader in the middle, their nose tackle for the Texans is excellent um, and sort of keys their run defense. And if Rodney Hudson's not out there, I'm, I'm hoping that he will be. But if he's not out there, then it becomes even more of a challenge. They really need that offensive line intact because this is one of the biggest tests that they're going to have this season up front. I definitely got the sense that Rodney Hudson was a veteran day yesterday. I nice. mean, they didn't they didn't say that. They said yep. he's dealing with something, but everybody else they were very specific on, and he was just dealing with something. So yeah. I, I felt that was just a rest day. Good. Okay, so as we look at the other side here with the Texans, I mean, they've had uh, problems here with their own roster. Will Fuller's banged up. Uh, reportedly, I've seen that the Texans are working out J.J. Nelson, a former Raider, so that would be interesting to see a couple of guys that started the season with the Raiders now on the Texans, if that should be somebody that they bring on. Uh, they've got injuries in their secondary with Bradley Robbie. they got Titus Howard hurt, and he's on their right tackle side, their long snapper. That was an interesting uh, point of last week's game their long snappers hurt so I mean uh when you look at these injuries for the Texans how big is it that Will Fuller's hurt and you know now they've got Conley in their secondary in light of their own injuries in their secondary uh do you think that this can be a matchup where the Raiders could take advantage here of of some of those injuries Adam uh, I mean, perhaps. I, I don't think that's going to be, you know, I, I don't think that's a key. I think as long as Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt are out there, uh, you know, they can kind of fill in. And, of course, uh, Hopkins. Hopkins. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can kind of fill in the rest of the pieces. Right. Uh, but I, I think it's a, it's a tough matchup, though, because one of the things that 
Houston has done is they've they've really been able to you know throw the ball. Uh, they've been able to put up points, and they've got into you know some high scoring games, and that just doesn't seem to be the kind of game the Raiders want or can really win. Uh, that they're a team that wants to be ahead. They want to establish a run, rely on their offensive line, the short passing game, and just kind of play from the lead. They're definitely a front running team. Uh, they're not going to want to get in any shootouts with anybody, and and that could be what this could become. Whenever you play against this Houston team, um, they can they can move it up and down the field. There's been some times the Jacksonville game they got slowed down some, and there's been some times where they've slowed down. But I I I think the Raiders are going to have a tough time stopping that passing game. And if they're in a shootout, that's going to be tough. Adam, I had a quick question because I haven't watched that much of the Raiders. Do they their cornerbacks? Do they match up or do they stick them to one side they, or the other? They've been mostly staying where they are. And okay. I, I think if, if you're gonna if you're gonna be the Texans, to just, just try to target uh, somebody and you're just gonna try to throw Hopkins out on Mullen, which I would imagine they do because when Mullen came in in the Broncos game, it was. Let's go. And they, it was just a green light wherever he was on the field, and they got uh, Sutton on him a little bit. They got Sanders on him a little bit at the time. So the Raiders have been mostly staying uh, on their side of the field, and if if the Texans can decide you know, who goes where and, and match up, uh, that's going to be one I think that they like. And by the way, just on Trayvon Mullen again, uh, because we didn't really get into this part of it, it's very fascinating. Trayvon Mullen's snap counts have gone down pretty much every week. The last three weeks, he was at 6-7-1 then one against the Packers. Huh. That is not an indication to me that they thought – Hey, I think this guy's close to being ready. Right. Like, I, it's just a very strange situation to me that yesterday they're like, we want to see this guy on the field. Well, you had a chance to put him on the field and you didn't. So I, that's also interesting. And I also believe also 18 times, I think that they might uh, decide to at the last minute not have Trayvon Mullen start. I think that would be really? a very fascinating uh, development here because they're selling it like, hey, we wanted to get younger. We wanted our younger guys mm-hmm. to play. But they have not shown a whole lot of confidence in Trayvon Mullen necessarily. Uh, so I, I think, you know, if, if we saw like a Nevin Lawson out there to start the game okay. on Sunday, wouldn't be that shocking to me. Okay. So uh, that is something to take note of for sure. The last time the Raiders faced the Texans, this was in Mexico City, 2016, final score 27-20. Uh, do we think that we see the Texans once again take a victory over the Raiders? Adam, what do you what do you think the final is here? Well, I, I don't remember what maybe week one. I don't think I picked the Raiders in any game. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to do that uh, this week. I mean, I, I was convinced they were going to start one and six. I think they're way ahead of where most people thought they'd be for sure at this point, and now they're getting into a point of the schedule where, it, you know, however this game turns out, and if they lose and they're three and four, all of a sudden the schedule softens up in the second half. Um, this team could make a run with the way the AFC is. Pat Mahomes, we, you know, he's going to hurry back. It looks like he's going to bring him back sooner than expected. But all of a sudden, you're looking around and saying the AFC, there's nobody running away with the AFC except for you know one team in New England and one team that hasn't played anybody yet in Buffalo. So. This is this is an opportunity, and potentially the Texans could be in a situation where they have a tiebreaker with the Raiders. So that's something to also monitor. Like this is a huge, huge game for the Raiders in a spot that I don't think a lot of people expected would be a huge game. That being said, I think they're gonna have a, a really tough time uh, trying to stop da- stop the Texans from throwing the ball, and uh, I think it'll be thirty four to seventeen. All right. Uh, Greg, Adam brings up a great point here and something I wanted to pick your brain about because it is something that you write here at the Review Journal, uh, the columns that you do on who might be contenders here in the playoffs. You pick 12 teams, you write about them. Do you foresee that the Raiders can break into that some point here? 
Well, I mean, Adam's right that their schedule sort of softens up, and I don't think anybody's really going to run away with it. I mean, even this is a big game. I mean, right now the Texans are the sixth seed in the AFC, and the Raiders are right behind them. But if you know if they lose, it, you know, all of a sudden they're they're like basically two games behind the Raiders, so that's tough. Then you got to hope for like a three way tie and that sort of thing. But um, I do think that they're going to be in it to the end. I do think they're going to have a shot. You know, I I think this week is going to be really tough for them. I mean, you know, their changes on defense, you know, with the, with the Conley trade, I mean, you know, good luck. I mean, you know, I, I mean, maybe Adam was right about, you know, that they put in like, you know, Nevin Lawson because at least he has experience in this league. I mean, to go to all of a sudden put Mullen out there against DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, good luck to that kid. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there there aren't many better receivers um, than DeAndre Hopkins. And I think that I, I just think that this Raiders defense is challenged in general. And I know Bill O'Brien does a really good job in his staff as far as game planning for teams. I actually, I actually was behind the scenes with them when I was at Sports Illustrated for, you know, their game planning and how they go through it. And so they're going to target the Raiders' weaknesses. And there's a lot of them. You saw the Packers go after it. Every time they they tried to get their linebackers in coverage, they picked on those guys. They picked on Carl's Josephs. Uh, the Raiders, I mean, the, the Texans will do the same sort of thing. Um, we could do a whole nother podcast on Paul Gunther and his, and his scheme because I think there are a lot of issues there. And I think that if Gruden was smart, he'd move on from Gunther after the season. Um, but I think they're going to be very hard pressed to, you know, win this game. But I do expect them to stay into it because I do think they're a good offensive team. They might have might not have the flashy pieces on the outside, but this is a really good team with a really good offensive line. And as long as they don't turn the ball over and don't give up huge plays on defense, then they they'll be in every single game. I think this week, I think it's going to be a challenge. I I think I think the Texans win about thirty four seventeen this week. All right, almost the same score. Was that exactly was. the same score? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna give the Raiders an extra uh, couple points here because that's what I I, I do. I, I'm gonna put the over on this one. I'm gonna go with thirty four to twenty craziness in favor of the Texans winning the game. But we will be back with you after the Raiders play in Houston this coming Sunday. To catch every game recap and every game preview during the season, find us on VegasNation.com, the Vegas Nation app, and anywhere else you find your podcast. Vegas Nation is brought to you by STN Sports Mobile by Station Casinos. Find us all on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons, at Adam Hill LVRJ, at Greg A. Bedard, and I am at Heidi Fang. For all the guys here on the show, thank you so much for listening. Listening.